WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. I ain't talking about rich. I'm talking about well, well, well. You are now tuned in to the Ash Cash Show. Your number one source for financial motivation. Get your mind and your money right. Dollar, 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 that's what I need. Sunday, my creatures of superior being, welcome to the day that you realize that it is by choice and not by chance that we change our circumstances, but if we do not take the chance, our circumstances stay the same. Today's Daily Word is dedicated to becoming a champion. First and foremost, rest in peace to the greatest of all times, Muhammad Ali, a champion who has fought and won many battles in and out of the ring. Speaking of champion, a champion is defined as a person who has defeated all opponents in a competition or series of competitions so as to hold first place. In life, the only person who we are in direct competition with is who we were yesterday. So in essence, in order to become a champion in life, you must defeat the old you. Life is about growth, and without taking chances to maximize your full potential, you remain the same. It is imperative that in every step of your life, you have the galls and audacity to go after what you know is rightfully yours. Fighting to stay the same is a fighting battle that you cannot win. It is self-sabotage, and it must stop immediately. Just as the saying goes, only iron can sharpen iron, you must understand that only chances make champions. You can analyze and dissect the game all you want, But if you never suit up and play, you will never win. Don't be a spectator in the game of life. Use your history to plan your future. But when it's time to take action, take action. Nothing can stop you but you. I'll leave you with a couple of quotes. The first one's by Dale Carnegie and it says, Take a chance. All life is a chance. The person who goes farthest is generally the one who is willing to do and dare. Next quote by Mary Tyler Moore, and it says, Take chances, make mistakes. That's how you grow. Pain nourishes your courage. You have to fail in order to practice being brave. And last but not least, which is an unknown quote, and it says, The only time you run out of chances is when you stop taking them. Matter of fact, one more, a bonus by Annie DeFranco, and it says, They can call me crazy if I fail. All the chance that I need is one in a million and they could call me brilliant when I succeed. And speaking about crazy, no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Speaking about taking chances, the four foot eleven assassin, marketing maven in the building, Mr. Seba Jones. How are you? All is well. Happy to be here as always. Why you gotta bring up the past though? Nah, it's all good. I mean, once crazy, always crazy. Nah, in a good okay, way. Okay, so for brand new money, I actually wanted to talk about being friendly. Uh, when we think about building a brand, we have to always remember that branding is the connection that you make with your audience, with your clients, with the people that you serve. And 
you cannot make a, a true connection without being friendly, without being likable. It's not to say that you adjust who you are to fit or suit the needs of other people, but you have to understand that it's not business as usual. When we look at social media platforms, mm-hmm. when we look at how close and how much of a voice the the audience, the outsiders, if you will, have about different brands and companies, large or small, uh, clients, customers, the consumer has a louder voice because of technology and because of these ways that we can uh, voice our opinions. So you always have to be mindful in how you treat those people who are listening. How do you treat those people who are purchasing your products and services? Simply be friendly. No one likes when you go into a store and the clerk seems unhappy to be there. And that leaves a lasting impression not only on that store, but on that company as a whole. No, we don't go to every McDonald's in the world. But that one time that we go into that McDonald's on whatever street, it can change the way we see the company at large. So in building your brands and building your empire, remember to be friendly Mm. and make that connection uh, with the person that you are serving. The customer doesn't necessarily always, is not always right, but you can make it right by being courteous, by doing what it is that you can do to make that sell go smoothly, even if it's, even if it's not a sell. Mm-hmm. Leave that lasting impression of kindness and of appreciation for the consumers at large. Yeah, no, I, I, I echo that uh, sentiment a thousand percent. When you think about, like, the consumer, like, they say people do business with people they like. Uh, you think about the consumer, you think about social media, you think about access, right? If this was 20 years ago where you didn't have a choice but to shop at a certain place, mm-hmm. but to go to a certain place, but to deal with certain people because they were gatekeepers. There were things that stopped you from having access to everything. But now, you know, you don't have to deal with a certain person. You don't have to deal with a certain brand. There's just so much options out mm-hmm. there um, and you have access to them. So um, it, it, it's very important. And like you said, you know, it's not friendly to be taken advantage of, but it is friendly. It is courteous. It is, uh, you know, just making yourself, um, you know, someone... That, that people want to do business with. Exactly. And then another thing is when you're doing business with someone else, if I'm behind this unruly customer, but I see you handling that situation in a positive light, you might not necessarily get that sale, but you may get a repeat sale from me because I saw even though this was an unruly person, you were able to not only, you know, hold your composure, but be kind in the process because there's so many more people watching than you think. Um, and kindness goes a very, very long way, even in business. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You are now tuned in to the Ash Cash Show. Your number one source for financial motivation. Get your mind and your money we are right. back to Ash Cash Show every Sunday, 1 p.m. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. The Voice of Harlem with Ash Cash and Mrs. Shima Jones. Yes, sir. So today we're really excited about our guests coming in shortly. And it's so interesting that it kind of corresponds with your idea of, uh, oh, why am I forgetting it? What Income. The residual income. Oh, residual income. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, about writing. And I just think it's super important for us to always remember those things that we can actually make money from over time. Ash is, I want to call him an expert in it. I was just talking about how many books you wrote today. And it's amazing in a sense that you can do one thing one time and continue to make money over it. I I was also watching a documentary on J.K. Rowling and how she is the first, I guess, documented billionaire writer. Mm -hmm. And for you to make billions of dollars from simply writing, that is something that in in certain 
the the speed of which she she made her money was definitely iconic and I don't think it's ever been done before but it just goes to show that you can actually create something one time and make money from it over time so we're excited about the guests that we're having we don't want to give anything away yet but um go ahead no no I was gonna say that's a great point about you know uh you know writing but not just writing right finding something that you're that you're passionate about uh finding something that you love to do uh that can also you know you like again you do it one time and you could keep making money from it because when you think about the economy, when you think about, you know, what people talk about where, you know, there's no jobs, there's, you know, the economy is bad. When they're uh, talking about these different different things that are happening, um, it's important to realize that, you know, when you have residual income, when you have uh, things that you, you, you know, you put out there and then you create a, a market for it. And as you create the market for it, you allow people to continue to just purchase it, purchase it. And you can focus on marketing. You can focus on what you love to do, um, but that money just just comes. You know, I I uh, you know I know before it's all said and done. Like right now, I've published four books, right? Um, and I know before it's all said and done, I'll have maybe 20, 30 books. I'll have, you know, online courses. I'll have, you know, audio CDs and I'll have all these different things. And, you know, the reason for it is because, you know, I have a family, right? Um, And when I say I have a family, I'm not talking from a monetary standpoint where I'm trying to make as much money. And, you know, obviously I am. I'm trying to make as much money um, that I can uh, to provide for my family. Uh, But I also have a family in a sense where um, I don't necessarily believe that you should not be uh, that, that you should be so engrossed in making a, a, a living that you don't make a life. And so I want to be actively involved with my family. My daughter's eight years old. You know, my son just turned one. You know, I have a wife. Um, so th- th- those are those are so so many different relationships that I have to cultivate, right? I have to cultivate a relationship as a father, right? As a father to the whole family. Uh, then I have to, to cultivate um, a relationship with my wife. You know, I have to be a husband to my wife. Um, I have to be her friend. And then I have to cultivate a relationship with my daughter. I have to be, you know, you know, her father and I have to, you know, you know, have a, a special relationship with my daughter, then a special relationship with my son. Um, and so all of these relationships and then and then. Right. We, we, we talk about the family, but then I also have to have a relationship with myself. Right. So I have to be able to give some time to myself. But when you think about how much time is in one day. We have 24 hours in a day, and if I'm, you know, in a space where I'm constantly just working, 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 how can I possibly give myself to just these four people, right? I'm talking about myself, my wife, my daughter, my son, but then what about, you know, giving time to, you know, uh, socially to, to, to my friends? What about giving time to my other family members? What about giving time to the community? Because I'm really, you know, involved in the community. How about giving time there? And so this is why I've always been and I will continue to be passionate about, you know, residual income, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, time is the one thing that you can never get back. Like you can always get back, you know, your um, 
money. If you you make money, you lose money. You make money, you lose money. You 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 can get that back. Uh, but time, right? This time that you're that you're spending right now listening to us, you know that time you're never really gonna get that back. Um, so you have to be mindful of your time. And if you're at the space where you're only working for money, um, I you know some you have to do what you have to do. So I'm not saying that immediately. You know, no one's you know everyone's just gonna get up one day and not have to work for money. Uh, but the goal should always be to make money work for you so that way you have that time. You can spend time with your family, spend time with your loved ones, spend t- the, the time that you'll never get back. Like, my son is never going to be one again. Mm-hmm. My daughter's never going to be eight, eight again. You know, like, these, these times that pass, we'll never get them back. So it's important that we focus on that. We focus on what are the things that we love to do, but how can we do them in a way that allows us to still provide for for each other right mm-hmm. for for our family like you know how do we create these things that gives gives us this income but still allow us to you know to spend spend that time so it's you know it's it's really it's really important like i hear people talk all the time about you know work life balance and anybody can tell you like that's a fallacy it's really really difficult to you know to have work-life balance I remember listening to a speech that Shonda Rhimes gave um, at a it was a commencement speech and Shonda Rhimes is the uh, young lady who uh, is is Miss Thursday night yeah, she so owns Thursday she owns Thursdays <laughs> right so she has Grey's Anatomy scandal um, and uh, how to wait how to get away with murder on ABC and she talked about it she has two young kids as well and she's like listen you know you know in order for me to be Miss Thursday night like things are gonna suffer mm-hmm. I'm gonna miss a, a dance recital like anybody who tries to tell you and this is somebody who's highly successful she's like if anybody's trying to tell you that that it's easy to create a balance or a balance is even possible you know they're sadly mistaken right and so for me you know i i know it's difficult right i know that this balance is difficult because the more the more successful you become the more you have to you know work harder to maintain that success because you know that you know once you once you prove that, that you can be successful here, there's going to be a hundred people, there's going to be a thousand people in line waiting to duplicate what you've done or take away what you've done. And, you know, that's the reality of it. So you have to every day wake up and be passionate every day, uh, you know, give your all. Um, so, so, so it takes more time away for, to, to, to manage your success. But that's why if you, you create a system where you have residual income, you create this passive income, uh, you'll be able to to live uh, live life and, and have that balance, you know? And that's the, it, you know, time mentioning that is so important because the more I do work, the more I do, you know, live out my dreams, I'm recognizing that time is so much more valuable than money. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's so much more valuable than money. And because it's something that you can't get back, you can go bankrupt and get all of that money back, you know, but you can't reverse the clock. And I think just going with your whole mantra of mind right, money right, we have to recognize that. Why are we doing what we do what we're doing? Are we simply doing it so that we can have money in our bank accounts? Or is it something bigger than that? And truth be told, it's something bigger than that. Absolutely. And when you are working with residual income, that gives you that opportunity to spend that time with your loved ones, to go out and literally change the world. So it's just so important for you to have the right perspective of money. And um, Jim Rohn actually said, how much does a television cost? Mm-hmm. 
And it was so interesting, his answer, you know, someone may have said, you know, $1,500, someone may have said $500. He said, no, the price that it, of watching that TV is how much money you're losing by sitting there mm. watching it. How much time you're wasting. Yeah. How much time you're wasting by investing it in something that's never going to, you're never going to get a return on your, your energy, what I like to call ROE. Mm. You never get a return on your energy by doing things that, that really amounts to nothing. Yeah. So just being mindful of not only how you spend your money, but how you spend your time. No, absolutely. That that is that is so key because I'm telling you, like, you know, like like you like we echo over and over, like you 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 have to uh, you know, cherish your time because at the end of the day, uh, you're not gonna get that back. And you know, again, you know, in order to 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 live that life, in order to live the life that you want to live, and I'm not even saying I'm not even putting um a number on it, right? I'm not, whatever you decide is the life that you want to live. It's going to require time for you mm-hmm. to live it. That's it, right? So I'm not saying I'm not saying a, a thousandaire. I'm not saying a millionaire. I'm not saying multi-millionaire. I'm saying that whatever you want to do, you have to put in the time, right? Um, and and another point that I wanted to make, and we're going to take a quick music break before we bring our guests on. Um, you know, another point that I wanted to make is that residual income also is a stress reliever Mm. Um, and it allows you to not be stressful because money there's studies there's a Yale study there's a book Mm. called Scarcity if you if you never heard of it pick it up it's a pretty good book Um, and two Yale professors uh, did a did a study on you know the the stress levels or what happens to people when there's scarcity when they when they don't have you know what happens to the brain when they don't have the basic necessities um, and a lot of times when we're worrying about how we're gonna pay the bills how we're gonna get to school how we're gonna get to work how we're gonna eat how we're gonna you know all Even these different things wow. exactly yes. right we like as we're worrying about these things. We cannot, you know, what is it? Maslow hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs, right? We have to take care of the basic necessities first before we can start focusing on the other stuff. So if you can't even focus, if you can't take care of your basic necessities, you, you're you not going to focus on that, that million-dollar idea or that thousand-dollar idea. You're not going to be able to focus on that. Um, so that's why first things have to be first. That's why I'm an advocate of those who want to be entrepreneurs. But if you have to take a nine-to-five, take a nine-to-five. Like, I'm an advocate advocate for that because I know and, and I live in testament that you cannot, you know, uh, actively and 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 effectively go after your dreams if you're worrying about the basic Food, stuff. water, home, shelter. Exactly. And it's so, it, it, what you're saying is so key because this not only interrupts your creativity and your flow and your space, it interrupts your relationships. Oh, man, absolutely. It interrupts the, the relationships you have with your family, with your, your spouse, with how you are in the community, with how you are in the universe. Like, it's so... What, you, what you're saying is, is it, so key. It, it's it's, fun, so it's funny key. that you say, you say, you know, you said something about community, and I, I won't... Um, just so no one takes offense to it, but that's another piece of it, right? Like a lot of time I do work, I do a lot of work in the community. Um, and a lot of times the people who are out in the community doing the work are worried financially. And I know this from having personal conversations with a lot of people who are doing the groundwork because the groundwork in the community isn't uh, work that is, is, is highly, you don't, you don't get high compensation for doing a lot of this work. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are doing this work because they're passionate about the work, but as they're doing the work, they're worrying about other stuff that they're not as effective as they could be 
if they didn't have to worry about a lot of this other stuff. So that's why, you know, for me, like, that's why I'm on it. Like, people don't even realize this, and I, and I, don't, I don't do it to, you know, to brag about it and to talk about it, but I actually work with people who do the work, meaning that, like, I'll have one-on-one conversations and I'll have one-on-one, you know, uh, counseling sessions financially with someone who might work in a school or somebody who might work in a nonprofit organization because I know that if I help, you know, I want to be the person that is helping the kids. But I know indirectly by helping the, the service provider, I'm also helping the kid because now the service provider has that, that you know, removed that level of stress from them and now they can focus. So, um you know, residual income, residual income, residual income. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be anything big. Like if you mm-hmm. are a poet, writes poetry. If you are a uh, a dancer, makes dance videos. If you are a workout instructor, you know, sell workout. You know, like it, it, it doesn't even take a lot of capital to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the iPhone 6, the Android phones, they have some, some pretty good cameras. You know, you could just do so much. You have access to all of the social media, all of the, the people out there create something one time that you can sell over and over and over and over again because imagine this imagine that you didn't have to go to work to pay your light bill mm, imagine you you didn't have imagine. to go to work to to pay <laughs> your rent literally like i'm just saying back because because it's so it's it, this is probably not proper english but it's so possible like yeah. it's so you can do this you know and i and i know I'm working on certain things as you already have certain things going on with it. And it's so important. And I think because we're on that rat, that, that spinning wheel and that rat weight race, we don't take the time to sit and really ponder over this idea of creating something mm, one absolutely. time and making money. It may be from, we, the only thing we may know is that nine to five. Yep. The only thing we may know is, you know, depending on the government, like yep. you, depending on where you come from and, and your upbringing and your perspective, your global perspective, you might have limited vision in this area of residual income because some to some people this is not possible. Absolutely. But it is possible, Absolutely. you know, and, and you have to really take that time out to um I think an awesome show idea will be different like different forms of residual income. We mm-hmm. need to work on that. Um but it, it's very possible and it, it's just a matter of coming up with an idea and putting in the work to actually make it happen. No, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're gonna take a quick music break and we'll be back. This is Ash Cash, Mr. Shima Jones. Ash Cash Show. You're now tuned into the financial motivator himself. Ash Cash. Mr. Mind Right Money Right. Money Right. So we are back to Ash Cash Show every Sunday, 1 p.m. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York, the voice of Harlem with Ash Cash. And Mr. Shima and Jones. And Mr. Shima Jones. <laughs> Alright, so we're excited about the guests. So we we was you know, we were so excited about residual income and all that stuff. So that's why we we kind of you know started talking about that. But we have an awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome guest with us today. You know, I'm saying awesome. All right, so so we have Miss Judith. Oh, I'm gonna say oh because I don't want to mess up your last name. So I have we have Miss Judith uh, Judith O in the building. Uh, she is a writer and editor focusing on business, careers, technology, and finance. A graduate of Washington University in St. Louis with a BA in English, Spanish, creative writing. Judith has worked with many prominent brands such as Fast Company, Inc. Magazine, Seventeen Magazine, Mary Claire. 
Disneyland, her campus, and she is currently the associate editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hand together. Woo! Does he make you feel so awesome? It does. I know. I don't think my mother even gives me an intro like that. <laughs> so how are you? Thank you so I'm much for so joining well. us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And then so we're going to jump right in, right? right I want to know about your personal financial journey. Like, like yes. where did it start for you? How did you get here? Uh-huh. And, 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 you know... We'll, we'll, we'll go with there. Well, I think what would be most honest is to say that every like my financial journey, like a lot of people's, is ongoing, right? Absolutely. Um, I think most for for a lot of people, but I'll speak for myself. My financial journey probably began at home, right, um, with parents um, and seeing how they use money, their their financial habits, and things like that. Um, and definitely, I started being more aware of money the more I had to use it. Of course, when you start to have to having to pay some bills. You know, you start oh, thinking about you start, a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely in college, um, I got the first, I had a, a store credit card was my first credit card. Um, and and then it kind of goes down yeah. from there, yeah. depending yeah. on how you use it. Uh, so I started, um, my first job out of college was at Inc. Magazine. And that's when I started thinking about business. We're work, we're, we at there, and they still have a focus on small business and entrepreneurship. So that early stage, when you're talking about funding, you're talking about how to get it, whether you self-fund, whether you get ECs, angels, et cetera. So I started thinking from money from there. And now at Cosmo, zipping forward, um, we really focus, our audience is definitely like, you know, 24, uh, early 20s to mid to late 30s. Um, and many of people in that demo have um, similar financial concerns, especially these days with student loans and, think, and, and things like that. So, you know, they want to have fun. They want to enjoy their lives like I do. So it totally <laughs> waits to me. But thinking about all the concerns that go along with that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then so how do you see money now? How do I see money? Well, I think one thing I'm excited about or happy about to a certain extent is seeing money without fear. I think Mm, fear is a big thing that people associate with money for good reason. Right. Um, Fear of not having it. What happens if you don't have enough Mm -hmm. Um, fear of, you know, guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, If you even if you're feeling okay, like wanting to enjoy your life, like a lot of things come with a sense of needing money, even if you're both for necessities, but also like that seems like the outlet to being able to be free to a certain extent. And it is financial freedom, you know, is in many ways a source of independence. Uh, So I think as I'm getting, as I learn through the work that I do and talking to all the amazing experts that I speak with, um, I've learned a lot for myself about how the different ways to sort of get free through financial independence. No, absolutely, absolutely. And so as a writer, right, mm-hmm. so you have a, an extensive, uh, you know, resume, because I didn't even talk about the time <laughs> that you were editor-in-chief at certain, oh, you know, gosh. I didn't talk about He's those. He's talking about my college days. You know, so. <laughs> but I'll take it. Right? But, but, how, but how did you, uh, where did you get your passion for writing? Where, yeah, you know? um, I think, I mean, I think it's one of those things I've just always had. I still have, because my, parents especially my mom my dad too never throw anything out so I still have the very first book I wrote which was in kindergarten nice it was laminated nice it was about our family vacation to Florida um so I think it's just always something I love to do I was talking to friends yesterday um and I have an older brother uh three years older and my parents told me that I used to cry because I couldn't read yet I was like you can read wow (laughs) so it's something I've always loved to do um and uh what's interesting is that I don't think I until fairly recently, I don't think I considered myself to be a writer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't, you know, my parents, um, one works for the city and one works for a company. And um, we had books and all kinds of things around. My grandparents were really big on reading and writing, would make me look things up without telling me the meaning, the meaning of them. Um, but I didn't really see, I'm from Brooklyn, and I didn't really, you know, know anyone who worked for a magazine or a newspaper. Like, I didn't know that that was a job you could have. Mm. Um, I loved reading and writing, but I didn't know how to professionalize it or that that was even something I had access to um, until I spent one year at uh, Mark Twain Junior High School out in Coney Island, um, and you test into different talents, and I tested into a writing talent, and I think I started learning from there, oh, wow, like, this is something people do for a living. Nice. Um, and uh, like you mentioned, I um, minored in creative writing, and that was definitely my passion, uh, poetry and fiction, and then I got into, in, in, uh, at WashU, uh, creative nonfiction writing, which I think was a great outlet because through that I sort of learned how to write nonfiction in a creative way um, to use different kinds of voices and things like that. So and you could tell though, because yeah. as you're talking, I'm like, I knew, she, I knew you was a poet though, because as you talk, I'm like, man, she you got can you see know that little spoken word. Yeah, it's like poetry on. as she's talking. I'm like, no, she's a poet too. You know, I saw it, I could see it. But yeah, no, it was cool. I think, yeah, just in general, that's one of the, and that's what I talk about at Cosmo too. Um, we talk a lot. We love to, of course, tech is a big thing with lots of people now, but tech is, people don't realize that tech intersects with their lives in many ways. Mm -hmm. If you use a smartphone, you are, tech is in your life, right? If you use email, you know how to use tech to a certain extent. And so I think that that goes through a lot of careers that um, you may not know that this is a job you can do, a job you can have, um, but it is. It is. You kind of just have to, you know, find the organizations and the people um, that can help you get there and, and keep moving It's forward. similar to what we were talking about earlier and how it's possible. Like, certain things mm -hmm. may not have been exposed at right. an early mm -hmm. age to a group of people, so it's kind of off limits. Right. It's not even, like, on their radar. Right. So to, to for you to just, pick, you know, come and say that, it just confirms what we were speaking about earlier. Definitely. Uh, so you, you, you talked about fear mm -hmm. um what and i want i hope that this ties in because his mantra is mind right money right mm -hmm. your money will never be right if your mentality isn't where it should be mm -hmm. so you speaking about fear just resonates with what we talk about all the time on mm -hmm. the show what are some financial tips be it in the numbers mm -hmm. or just in your perspective about money that you would want to share with our, yeah, sure. our audience um, and definitely I approach it in some ways, definitely giving a lot of credit to the people that I speak with and interview with. Um, so tips, I think it's, it, that sounds like a, such an overarching thing, fear, but I think one way, one thing that I'd urge people to do is look at their habits. Um, and it's an ongoing process, um, because then you can sort of, you know, if you feel like you never are on the right track, there are reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so looking at that, so, you know, everyone's financial picture, it's not one fits all. Right. Like everyone needs to do different things or has different habits that get them where they are. Um, so to start, I'd use the example of one person I interviewed with recently for the for the magazine. Um, and she went on what was called uh, a money fast, like mm. a complete total spending fast. Um, she she used a budget, but it wasn't like I'm going to allocate a little bit of money. It was literally like if this is not what I determined to be a need, I'm not doing it. And mm. she did it for a whole year. She was in significant debt. Um, she had borrowed money from family um, which some people think can be a good idea, and it can be, but it, it does add extra pressure. 
Um, and so she was like, this isn't working for me. She was getting married. Her husband didn't want to uh, merge their finances in any way. Wow. Uh, and so she was like, this isn't, this, I can't do this. This is sustainable. So the first thing that she did and that I think a lot of people recommend is like literally just look at your financial picture. Um, that sounds like such a simple thing, but mm. I think everyone can rate. How many times have you not wanted to check your bank oh, balance? Man, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, how many times have you not wanted to like look through the receipts that you have all that paper yeah. from dinners out, things like that? You know, that, that literally getting to that hump is a check and over a hump is, and it's a check sort of to say, oh my gosh, like I, you know, put my card in, but like, this is money. Right. Mm -hmm. So literally just look at it, look mm -hmm. at it, look through it. I'd say to look at it, look through it for the past three months. Um, because suppose you had a good month and you're like, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden. It's usually uh, that might be a good month, but the month before may not have been. Mm -hmm. So you need to look at it, not just the immediate picture, but the past three months. So I'd say to start there. Um, I'd say to look at the areas that um, definitely budgeting. And this is like a loose budget. You don't have to, you know, put everything into tiny categories, but maybe divide it up between what have you seen is an observed want that's ongoing, what's an observed need that's ongoing. Um, so recently I was talking to someone for an upcoming, for our October issue, um, everyone check it out, but that uh, they gave great advice about, um, a lot of people have issues with overdrafting. Uh -huh. So if you look at it and you're seeing that overdrafting is coming up, that's not necessarily like what you need it for, what you're, why you're overdrafting may be connected to a need, right? Mm -hmm. You may have overdrafted because you had to pay off a bill. But at the same time, you're getting charged for that, and that's not a need. Mm -hmm. um, and they can be significant. Bank of America overdrafting, which changes laws fairly recently um, within the past five years, you can get charged $30 dollars. And then that's compounded right. if you don't pay it off. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you could easily spend $100, if not more, from just overdraft fees. Very true. Yeah. So connect it to what, you're, what are the regular spending things that you need to be doing and maybe establish a baseline of, like, how much money regularly do I hopefully hope to have in this? Um, one thing I'd also say is to not it, – it's stressful, but don't put undue pressure that's unrealistic mm – -hmm. On it. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I just spent way too much money. I'm never doing this for the next five months. That's probably not realistic. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people say, um, and we get this advice a lot and sometimes give it, hopefully in a more nuanced way, that the idea is that if you're using a credit card, not to charge something that you can't pay off in the next you know, month or the next cycle. And I think that's great advice, but what? Like, it's not always realistic right. for people, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think closer to understanding how that works is, um, thinking about what this woman did, again, going back to her spending fast, is if you have more than one credit card, which many people do, look at the one that has the highest interest rate and, the, and order them. Put them in order from least or lowest to highest interest rate. Pay the minimum balance on the ones that have the lowest interest rate and pay extra on the ones that have higher mm -hmm. so that you can get those done faster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And once you start getting those done and paid off faster, you'll start feeling good about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a habit that you'll establish into regular habits um, so that if you do have an off month, it won't totally like knock down the castle, right? Yeah, the, So I think it depends on everybody. So I, um, everybody's situation. So I don't want to give one fits all advice, but I think a lot of it is really looking at it in the face, um, establishing habits that work for you in, within reason, Absolutely. right? Um, and then enjoying yourself. Mm -hmm. If you restrict yourself too much, mm -hmm. you're going to go crazy. Yep, absolutely. Um, so to use her example again, something that she did was what she established as wants and needs may not be wants and needs actually for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So needs were paying rent. 
um, needs were saying that she she determined how much money she'd need to spend on groceries each month. But for her, a need was actually um, getting a gym membership mm-hmm. because for her, physically, she wanted to still feel good. That changed her mood. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't want to... She just needed that outlet, especially because she was deciding to, to cut back so she couldn't go out as much. Right. Mm-hmm. So at least she could go to the gym, right? right? And have somewhat of a social thing. So some people may say that's an extra cost. For her, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, she decided to dye her own hair. Um, so that was something she was saying, I'm not going to get professional haircuts or hair coloring anymore. So it is it is negotiable, but within that, you have to be still be realistic, right? You can't make everything right, a need. Right, right. Um, so you, there are ways to sort of enjoy life and find ways to do that. Um, another big thing that comes up that I personally believe in, we always um, have discussions about this, about how it works, but I really do think you kind of have to get right with the people in your life to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be really difficult um, that every, not everybody knows what everyone's financial situation is like. So if you're going out all the time with friends because you're too scared to say, I just can't do this, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. um, that is a habit that has to, it's gonna, you're going to hit a wall. Yeah. You're going to have to be real with them. You have to talk about it. You don't have to tell everybody your business mm-hmm. if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. But even just the bare minimum of like, I've looked at my financial situation this month, this week, you know, things are tight, I can't do it, would love to hang out with you another time. Or how can we do something else, right? Um, that's less expensive or that works for me this month. Um, I think part of that fear and that shame is you can be doing as much as you want, you know, personally, and that works. But if you are social, like most humans are, mm-hmm. um, it's going to still not work if you're not being honest with the people in your life about where you are in that moment. Um, and, and I know it sounds hard. Um, I know it can feel embarrassing, but there's a lot of strength in that um, you're really setting up a good foundation. And you also open this space up in your own relationships to let other people say, you know what? I have been exactly. feeling really yes, stressed exactly. like, Girl, I'm happy too. you exactly. said something. Exactly, <laughs> because I was dying. Yep, yep. So yep. those two are the biggest yes. things, looking at it on your own and really being honest about it with other mm-hmm. people um, so you don't feel this pressure on yourself or pressure that is, you feel maybe imposed on other people. And honesty, in all honesty, um, you know, if there's someone who says you suck, um, I don't want to be friends with you. You're you're like you know stingy or whatever, yep. and you're really facing a hardship. That's a, a whole bigger issue with exactly, that relationship. Exactly, That's not exactly. about you saying I can't spend. You know I can't go to Beyonce floor seats. Right, this right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So probably not. Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're gonna take a, a quick music break, and then we'll be back with Miss Judith. Oh. <laughs> Tuned into the financial motivator himself, Ash Cash, Mr. Mind Right, Money Right. So we are back with Judith Ohuquari. Yes, Judith Ohuquari. <laughs> he got it. All right. <laughs> Writer and editor, associate editor at Cosmopol- Cosmopolitan Magazine. Uh, so talk to us a little bit. Uh, any special projects that you have coming up? Um, yeah. So what we... Uh, well, on, I'll talk about Cosmo first. Um, every year for the past two years, um, we have this Fun Fearless Life um, event. Uh, the first year was at Lincoln Center. We had about 2,000 amazing people come through, um, buy tickets to hear speakers, um, to network. It's a really big networking event. Um, last year we had it. It was more intimate. It was in our office in Midtown Manhattan at Hearst Tower. Um, and we had about 200, 250 um, people come in our headquarters, which is sort of our home, um, meet the editors, meet um, speakers, um, to learn tips about you know uh, work, professional uh, life, things like that, um, both sides of it, uh, both sides of your personal and professional life. Um, who were some of our speakers? We had um, Amy Cuddy, who's a big motivational speaker. A lot of people know her TED Talk. Um, we had... Um, Opal Tometi, um, who was also in the magazine, um, who was one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, 
um, talk about uh, movement building um, and uh, you know a lot of social justice issues that are going on and relevant to everybody, whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really cool. Um, we're doing it uh, either October or November this year, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, on the side, some of the things that I do, I am a, a workshop leader at um, a local organization called New York Writers Coalition. Um, and what we do is we put on free um, or greatly reduced uh, workshops for um, underserved populations around the city. So, um, for example, like a lot of people are familiar with Gotham Writers Workshop, which is an amazing organization. I've definitely taken classes there where you take writing classes and anything from screenwriting to poetry. Um, but what we do, that's not necessarily accessible to everyone, um, although they do have their own tiers. So what we do is we do it for popu different populations. Um, I am a workshop leader at CHIPS, um, which is uh, an organization in Park Slope, and they do transitional housing for um, women who are homeless with children, young children, um, and that's sort of a transitional housing. So we do writing workshops with them. I lead that one. Um, we've done workshops with incarcerated teens at Rikers, um, incarcerated women at Rikers, um, uh, young teens, um, both boys and girls in uh, Sunset Park. Um, there's a regular ongoing one at uh, Brooklyn Public Rag Library, the, the main branch. Um, so we have, check them out, New York Writers Coalition. It's an amazing organization. Um, those are the free ones, um, but there are ones that are uh, meatier if you're interested in those, and you can pay for some of those. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's something I'm working on. Um, and yeah, what are some projects I'm doing? I'm trying to get back into writing creatively myself. Not trying. More. We don't. Uh, all, we don't. I'm use doing that. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. It's yeah. happening. Sorry. I'm happening. Okay. It's sorry. Happening. Okay. So yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. So if someone wanted to connect with you, what yes. is the best best place to find? What you? is the best place to find me? Um, I'm definitely on Twitter. Um, I talk about things work and not work there. Uh, so you can find me there sharing things, sharing events. Um, also on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com with backslash my first and last name. Uh, and so, yeah, I share things that are going on with New York Writers Coalition, Cosmo events. If we're ever looking for people, sometimes I'm looking for sources. Sometimes I'm also looking for writers. Um, I would really love to get people who have um, great writers who are talking about their relationship with money. Um, so find me there. Hit me up. All right. Good stuff. All right. Round of applause for Miss yes. Judith Ohukari. Yes. Ohukari. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Thank you so much, uh, you for, so much for, for, for stopping me. by. Mr. Seema Jones, so this is that time that we, yes. we, we, we dislike this time because, okay. uh, you know, we got to go. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, Mr. Seema Jones, where can the people find you? You can find me at tashimajones.com. All of my social media and contact information can be found there. And I am Ash Cash. Make sure you visit me. I am Ash Cash. Com. Become my friend on Facebook, facebook.com slash imashcash. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash imashcash. And I'm on Instagram too, instagram.com slash imashcash. Till next week, same time, same, same place. place. You are now tuned in to the Ash Cash Show. Your number one source for financial motivation. Get your mind and your money right.